Well, here we are right in the middle of the week, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. And this is David Carnes, and so good to be back with you. And here we are looking one more time at the sources that God has used to speak about his son, the sources that the father has used to testify about Jesus. And we've just been hanging around 1 John chapter 5 and verse 6, where we find that God has used, for example, the baptism of Jesus. And then he's also used the cross of Jesus to speak about his son. But then today, we're going to find that not only has God used these two events in history to speak about Jesus, but what we are going to see today is God has used, and he still uses, the person of the Holy Spirit to speak through in order to tell us about his son. And as I have said on previous occasions, it is so important that we have the testimony of the Father regarding Jesus simply because it is God's testimony, his witness about Jesus that is the true testimony. And for us to know the true Jesus, then we need a faithful testimony. Remember, by the way, many different false testimonies in this world regarding Jesus, many false ones. For example, there's the false testimony that says Jesus isn't God. There's the false testimony that says Jesus is one of many gods or that Jesus, just a great teacher and nothing more, or just a wonderful moral example. These false testimonies, what they do, by the way, is they cloud the mind, they cloud the heart, and will never lead anyone to true faith then in the true Savior. And so we need the testimony uh, the testimony of the Father, and we have it. It's in Scripture. And so again today, we're going to see how God the Father's used the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to testify about Jesus. But then, let me also say this, and that is, We are also going to open up this text a bit, this text, again, out of 1 John 5, and we are going to look more into verses 6 through 8 today. And what we're going to also see then is something that John brings out about a heresy that we all need to be cautious about, a heresy that was around in John's day and this heresy that is still in our midst today. But let's get into the text. And so if you have a Bible in front of you, we're looking at 1 John chapter 5 and today verses 6 through 8 as we spend time in God's Word. And let me say this, before we go to the next way that God has testified about His Son, let me say as we look back at our Bibles, there's something important, there's an important point that John brings out here in the middle of verse number six, it's something that we cannot pass by. It's not anything that's, it's not little in importance. It is huge in importance. But again, look at the middle of verse number six and look at what John writes. You're looking at your Bibles, verse six, the apostle writes, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Now watch this, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. Do you see that? Now you look at that statement and here's what you should be able to see very clearly. But right there, do you notice that what John is doing is he's stressing the blood. He's stressing the cross. Again, he says, I'm talking about the water. I'm talking about the baptism here, but not only the water, but also the blood. I am really talking, I'm stressing this, he's saying. I'm stressing the cross. And again, this is a statement in which he says, I got to stress this. I really do. I got to stress the cross. Now, 
let me do this because you might want to ask the question, why is he doing that? Why is he stressing the cross at this point? Do you know it comes down to a heresy that was very popular at that time? Let me say this. When John the Apostle wrote 1 John, it was at the end of the first century. Some people believe it was around A.D. 90. At that very same time, there was a heresy that had been concocted in regard to Jesus that said this. The heresy said, Jesus, simply a man and nothing more. Not God, but only a man. But understand, the heresy went on to say this. The heresy said, yet at the baptism, the Spirit of Christ came upon Jesus and in some form or fashion enabled Jesus to be some form of deity, starting at the baptism. And so for the three years of His ministry, Jesus was in some form or fashion deity, and He was used by God to teach, and He was used by God to work miracles. Now, that's the heresy. But understand this. The heresy that was so popular at the end of the first century about Jesus, it continued by saying, just before the cross, now listen to this, just before the cross, the Spirit of Christ departed Jesus. Take it away from Him. And as a result, Jesus on the cross was not God in the flesh, but Jesus on the cross, guess what, was only man. Now with that said, this is why John at this point says, I've got to stress the cross here. I've got to stress it because of this heresy that's out there. And understand this, but most importantly, he's stressing that the one on the cross, Jesus, not just a man, but the Son of God, God in the flesh, the one that came to die for man's sins, the one that made it possible for the saved to come into the presence of God, the one that gives life, the one that is the resurrection and the life. He wants to stress that. That one, by the way, that if you were to look in your Bible, still in 1 John, if you were to look just over at chapter 4, verse 10, the one that John says is the propitiation for our sins, in other words, that Jesus is the one that has satisfied the Father on the cross, that Jesus was God and man, the one that could die in man's place. He is the only one who is qualified to do that. Why? Because He is God and man. And so this is why you have this statement here from John. By the way, now, I do bring this out because of this and understand. But this heresy that I just described to you that was so very popular in the first century, understand it hasn't gone away. You speak with any Jehovah's Witness, they take much of their doctrine from that heresy. And so understand, the heresy described real in the first century and the heresy described now, they're still knocking on your doors. you got to be careful. you got to be careful of the false teachers. But now, with that said, we got to move on. Let's look at the third source that John speaks of now. That God spoke through in order to speak about His Son. The third source that God's used. And He, by the way, let me say this, is still using today. That third source, the Holy Spirit. This is who John brings out. By the way, if you're a, if you're a note taker, what you would write down on your piece of paper, you would write down, God testifies through the Holy Spirit. But again, look at this. We look at verse number 6 again. Let me read it. 
In verse number six, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And now watch this. And the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth. Now you see that with me? Now, let me say that this is, it's a marvelous statement that John makes here regarding the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And he says again, and this is what we're going to focus in on, in on on that little phrase. He says, the Spirit is the truth. And again, this is, this is the person that God the Father has testified about the Son through. But he said, the Spirit is the truth. Now, with that said, there's a question, and that is, so what do we make of that little statement? What, in the context that God uses the Spirit to testify about His Son, again, what do we make about this little phrase, the Spirit is the truth? Well, let me give you the answer. The answer is, always remember this when we speak of the Holy Spirit. Remember this now. Always remember that the Holy Spirit, He's the agent of God's revelation. Remember that about Him. He's the agent of God's revelation. He's the agent, in other words, that shares God's truth. But now you ask, okay, what's that mean? The Spirit is the agent of God's revelation. The Spirit is the agent that shares God's truth. Well, in other words, the Holy Spirit, and listen to this, the Holy Spirit in relationship with the Father, in relationship with the Son, in relationship to the Godhead, He has a very unique and important assignment in the midst of the Godhead. One of his great assignments is he distributes the Word of God. He distributes the truth of God's Word. That's an assignment he's been given in the midst of the Godhead. In other words, God the Father speaks and the Holy Spirit takes the Father's words and does what? Distributes the words. Distributes the truth. And again, you might ask, okay, so what does that mean? He distributes the Word of God. What is, what is that? Well, let me quote something to you out of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 21. Listen to what Peter says. Peter says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I mean, Peter said, When God would share His Word with men, when He would share His Word, the Word would be carried along and delivered to men by what source? The Holy Spirit. That's what Peter's saying. So again, when, when Peter, for example, was assigned to write down God's Word, he would write God's Word. He would write the Father's Word as the Holy Spirit would lead, as the Holy Spirit would direct, as through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you hear said sometimes. And by the way, but this is true then, isn't it, of all biblical writers, right? All biblical writers, no man called of God would ever write Holy Scripture distributing his own precepts or his own ways. But the man of God is going to do what? He writes down Holy Scripture. He writes down God's precepts. He writes down God's ways. God's ways as delivered by who? The Holy Spirit. That's it. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit, He is that agent then, of God's revelation, He then is the deliverer of the Father's Word. The agent of God's revelation. By the way, let me also just add this, and 
let me just say, we'll get to where we're going here. We will, but, but something else here, and that is when we think of the Holy Spirit as the truth, when we think of him as the deliverer of the truth, the agent of God's word, we also need to remember that it is the Holy Spirit that enables each and every one of the followers of Christ to comprehend the word of God. It comes down to the Holy Spirit doing that in you. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, but it, it, it's by the working of the Holy Spirit, in every believer, that enables you to understand the Word of God. Now, let me read this to you. Paul writes it this way. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14, he writes the natural person, and that is a reference to the lost person. He writes, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what to him? The Bible says they're a folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are what? They are spiritually discerned. That's what Scripture says. Now, that's clear, right? But it is only through the indwelling of the Spirit that you can even understand the Word of God. No other way that you can. For the lost, the Bible says the Word of God is what? Folly? Understand this. For the believer, the Word of God is precious. But now, with all that said, let me do this. Let me get us to where we're going. But remember that the context is what? God the Father is using the Spirit to testify about His Son. And so with that said, here's what we need to hear. And that is, God has spoken about His Son. He's spoken about His Son all through Scripture. I shared with you earlier that God has spoken about Jesus as far back as the garden, right? And yet you continue to read through the Old Testament and you find this. Let me just give you some examples because, again, God is always through Scripture speaking about His Son. But, for example, out of Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we are told the Father says, you know where Jesus will be born? He'll be born in Bethlehem. God then also speaking of Jesus as you just walk your way through the Old Testament. He speaks of Jesus being born of a virgin in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Speaking of Jesus. God continues to speak of His Son. We see in Psalm chapter 22, verse number 16. Let me just read this to you. Speaking about the cross, the Father, and His words about His Son. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and they have pierced my feet. That's the Father speaking of the Son, isn't it? He's using Scripture to do it. And he speaks, and the Holy Spirit of God delivers that word. Isaiah, writing of Jesus on the cross again, Isaiah 53, 5. Let me just read this. Isaiah wrote, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. Again, Jesus, the word of God, speaking of Jesus. We get go on. Of course, in the New Testament... The Father always speaking of Jesus, speaking of His life, speaking of His ministry, the gospel message, the second coming, all spoken of and shared in regard to Jesus. And again, the point being, as God the Father spoke the words of Scripture, as God the Father spoke about His Son, it was the agent of God's revelation. It was the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, that took the Father's words about His Son, Jesus, and shared them with man. And as the Spirit shared the words, then the words were written down. And you know what we have as a result? We have 66 love letters. That's what we have as a result. We have Scripture. 
But now also, there's this, and I don't want you to miss this. God speaks, and He uses His Spirit to deliver His words. He uses His Spirit to allow us to understand His words. But now also understand, the Spirit has not stopped working. The Spirit is still at work. You ask how, and the answer is He's still at work speaking to those who come to Jesus. He's still at work speaking to those who come to Jesus about Jesus. Then also understand this, and we can go even further in this, and that is the Spirit is still at work convicting the lost for the need to come to Jesus. That's what the Spirit's doing. And I don't want you to miss this, but the Father has spoken, and He has spoken of His Son. He still speaks of His Son. And the source He still uses today to testify about His Son is the Spirit of God. That's what He does. And so what does John the Apostle do? He brings out the three sources. The baptism, the cross, the Holy Spirit. But now, let's do this. We've got a ways to go, but we're going to do it quickly, and I want you to see this. But we now continue through the text. Look at verse 7, look at verse 8. John writes, for there are three that testify. Then you look at verse number 8. The Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. Now, stop right there. Now, quickly. But you notice that John, really, he stresses here that there are three that testify. Isn't that what he's stressing in verse number 7 and verse number 8? For there are three that testify. Then he names them, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. You see that, don't you? Now, again, he's stressing three. Why is he stressing three? It comes down to the Mosaic Law is what it comes down to. I want you to remember something. But out of Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, this is where we first see this. When God said this, He said, A single witness shall not suffice. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. By the way, you see the same principle all throughout the New Testament. For example, Jesus in Matthew 18, when he's speaking of church discipline, he speaks of the importance of at least three witnesses. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19, when Paul speaks of addressing and charging and bringing some kind of discipline against an elder or a pastor of a church, he speaks of the need to have two or three witnesses. Again, Paul, when he speaks about addressing the church at Corinth, about the sin that he was coming to address in that church, in 2 Corinthians 13.1, he states the fact and he says, you know what, I'm coming, I'm addressing the sin, but I'm going to need some witnesses. I need two or three. This is what's going on here. You go back to the text, verse 7 and 8, and what John's saying here is, so God has chosen, and watch this, God has chosen the maximum of three witnesses to confirm the testimony of His Son. The baptism, the cross, and the Holy Spirit, right? What's God doing? God's going by His own law is what He's doing. God speaks, and He speaks of His Son, and He testifies. But now, all that said, amen that He does that, right? That He speaks, and He has spoken to us through two events, the baptism and the cross, And He continues to speak today in regard of His Son. How? Through His Spirit. Well, it is so good that God is still testifying 
about his son today and that he is doing it through the Holy Spirit as the Spirit speaks about Jesus through Scripture, the Bible. But again, without the testimony of God, the truth of Jesus would never be known to us. Without the testimony of God about Jesus, his son, we would never have the opportunity to come to faith in the true Savior. And so we can praise God, we can give him thanks, we can lift him up on high for all of this. But well, we've been blessed to look at the sources then of God's testimony about his son, the baptism of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit. But now, when we come back on Friday, we have just a couple more points to bring out from this text out of 1 John 5, and we're gonna be moving into verses nine through 12. And there are gonna be two points again, those points being, number one, the reason for God's testimony about his son. And then also, the second point we're gonna bring out when we come back together is the response to God's testimony about his son. Why is God testified? And then, how is man to respond to what God has said? And that's what we're going to unpack on Friday. But listen, you have a great day. Can't wait to see you again as we spend time in God's Word.